that building full of fright, I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. With me this week is Victoria and surprise, Jamin! (laughs) Yes, we finally did everything in the right order. It took a few tries. It took a few tries. We have a lot of cat suits uh, now um, from Hot Topic and... He died two weeks ago. It was very sad. Mm -hmm. I did? Yeah. I don't remember being dead. Most people don't. Yeah. Three out of four dead people don't remember dying. (laughs) We we, we waited until um, we were recording to tell you because we wanted it to be really awkward and uncomfortable for Uh you. That's that's a little bit... (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm wondering now, it's like, if you're listening along at home, are you dead? I've assumed. Were you dead? We don't discriminate against the dead here. We can't. No. Because, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that'd be awkward. We have our audience for sure. It's good yeah. to be not un. Well, I'm not undead. Or Do you am know I how zombie? hard it is to get the dead to like, review, and upvote? <laughs> it's really it's because hard. Their 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 fingers can't hit buttons. Right. I don't know. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. My grandmother's been dead for four years, and she's voted in every election since. Oh, zing! Is this in Florida? Ha ha. <laughs> we should edit that out. <laughs> um, never mind. Okay. Sorry. Clearly, I, I hit a nerve. I Too apologize. Soon. Too soon. <laughs> At least I'm alive to have nerves. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think we'll talk uh, about that a little bit later on about what it means to have nerves. That's true. So we are going to m- talk about that. This might be episode 42 of The Dispatchist. We're being ambivalent about numbers because we wanted to celebrate 42 with an episode of questions and dubious answers. Mm-hmm. But then Jamin died, and we had a live episode <sighs> in the middle there, and it got kind of muddled. Mm-hmm. So we're pretending this is 42, but mm-hmm. it might not be. I'd episode say 42-ish. The answer episode. Yes. Questions episode. Yes. Oh, because um, it's the answers episode, because it's 42. Okay, I guess it could be both. Actually, it can't be both, by definition. So he comes back from the dead and just messes everything up. <laughs> Go home! Go home! So do we have to, how do we do everything in reverse? Oh, we have to do something yeah, to Tabasco? We have to take off the cat suit, so right there, there's an obstacle. Yep, mm-hmm, that's true. Yeah. So, did anybody bring you to the party? I did. I brought a drink that will again make a little bit more sense later but it is satan's whiskers and for fans of uh tv's lucifer they may oh. recognize this from season 6 it is the kind of drink that a human might make for her demon friends to celebrate uh an auspicious occasion oh. um, so it's kind of a human's idea of what a demon would like to drink Maybe it's just like one of those things where the bartender just cleans off the mat. Yeah. <laughs> so what goes in a demon's whiskers? Uh, well, Satan's whiskers, but it could be either one. I mean, Catfish you whiskers? Know. It is. Actually, that would be kind of interesting. It's half an ounce of gin, half an ounce of sweet vermouth, half an ounce of dry vermouth, 
A quarter ounce of Grand Marnier um, or orange curacao. I think the curacao is if you want to make it curly. Half an ounce of orange juice and three dashes of orange bitters. And you shake it like you mean it. Strain it into a chilled cocktail glass and you're all set. So didn't it sound delicious? What are the overall flavor notes here for someone that is not up on their, well, their thing? It'd be orange. Orange, orange. and orange. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So it's it, it'd be so it's gin and vermouth, so it's a martini. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But with curacao and marnier. And sweet vermouth, which adds another look. Because yeah. Mm-hmm. This is layers of orange. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know vermouth ish. Sweet vermouth is really I mean, yeah. Sweet vermouth is fun to drink, which is as is. I did bring some entertainment. Oh, good. Being violated by seven devils. George? Okay. Are you sure there's no extra verbs you could gerund around there? No. Right. Doesn't anybody have tentacles or... Just because he's on fire? We don't have... (laughs) Just because there aren't adjectives doesn't mean the devils aren't everything you you need in this scene. This seems a little little too realistic. I could fire up the randomizer again. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm sorry for complaining. Let's move on. Okay, okay, it's fine. So violated by seven devils. devils. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I All mean, right, no tentacles, no fire. No promises on that. There may be tentacles and fire. Yeah, the, the okay. tentacles we just not mentioned. Right. You didn't mention how many heads anybody has. There was no gnashing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. True. I am assuming seven heads, but... They could all be on one of the devils, for all I know. Seven heads for seven devils? Yes. yes. <laughs> the seven deadly heads. My well, new I band brought... name. <laughs> That's a good band name. Seven deadly heads? Is yeah. it like a, a Grateful Dead, um, what's the opposite of tribute band? <laughs> <laughs> Play all Grateful Dead songs backwards and really, really fast. <laughs> Well, I brought leftovers. Lots oh. and lots of leftovers. There's so many leftovers. Actually, right before we started recording, I was digging through the fridge, and I found cheese. Uh-huh. Jacob bought, like, a bag of Tillamook, like, single-serving things, right? Yes. Yeah. In hell, and everything is individually wrapped. <laughs> yeah. And I was, like... <laughs> For sanitary purposes. You guys remember, like, decades ago when I was a, a radio engineer, like, a producer at a radio show, right? And, like, sure. I... I looked down at my cheese and I was like, oh, I'm recording tonight. I really shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. No, don't. That was my train of thought. It was like, it's Tillamook. I don't actually care what my voice sounds like. Okay. That was a bad plan. <laughs> that was a very therapeutic sounding, okay. <laughs> like you're going to talk <laughs> Jamin down from the cheese. <laughs> no, it's too late. I ate all the cheese. <laughs> we have some real hell news today. What's that? Besides me having COVID. <laughs> That's hellish news. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better. Hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll be over it. Yay. Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer. Uh, she also played Captain Phasma, the stormtrooper, with I think the gold trim in the recent Star Wars movies. Oh, and uh-huh. Brianna of Tarth in Game of Thrones. So she's really like into the geek cinema universe. Okay. Netflix did a teaser trailer of her for Sandman playing Lucifer. So we actually see her kind of saying, oh, hello, dream and welcome sort of thing. And it's very posh. Ooh. And she is uh, an interesting androgynous actress. The Sandman universe has some different casting roles and ideas, but this feels like a really perfect role. Fantastic. That sounds great. Yeah. 
Uh, I saw an older article from 2021. I think it's from Rolling Stones. I think the title says it all. Ozzy Osbourne credits devil worship for warding off COVID-19. <laughs> wow. Okay. We, that's We can stop there. I mean, that's enough. That warrants some further exploration. Right. Sure. Tab. You, you forgot the Satanism. <laughs> I know. It's like, okay. Wait. So, oh, no. What? April 30th, 2022. Ozzy has just been diagnosed with COVID. <gasps> so it didn't work. He lost his faith. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. He turned away from Satan. <laughs> well, that was old news and currently out of date news. <laughs> oh, well, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> this is not super interesting. Well, I think it, I think y'all will be interested in it. I got two uh, really cool tarot decks from Kickstarters that I Ooh. funded a long time ago. Um, one is the Pulp Tarot by Todd Alcott. That sounds fun. It's super cool. Very 50s. Yes. I'll send you pictures, but they're spot on. And then the other one is the Alleyman Tarot. And it is made by this artist. Hold on while I get his name or their name. Sorry. A mismatched tarot deck made of 137 cards from other decks. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. It looks it amazing, so and I'm so sad that I was not aware of this. Well, the artist is Seven Dane Asmund, and they are also are known as the Publishing Goblin. And yeah. they make games and Oracle dice. And the best part of this, I mean, it's super cool because it has everything from cards from classic decks to cards from all kinds of uh, Oracle decks. Yeah. And oh, wow. This is awesome. It's really fun, but how does he see it? I don't see anything. I'm psychic. He is. It's weird. But the best part, or one of the best parts, is is actually a wild hunt card in the Oracle. Oh, neat. I, uh -huh. I've got to have a copy of this, but I don't know how. I think they are going to sell extras. So if you go to Publishing Goblin, I think that's the website that they sell the things on. But I'll also look because I get updates. There's Rubber Ducky? Yes. Mm -hmm. So here's my question. Did he just buy 133 decks and take one card from each deck? So every deck is different. They're licensed. No, well, each deck has the same card. Yes. 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 And there's a book. There's a book that comes with it to explain the cards. And they had wrote their own readings of the cards as well and different ways to Different layouts. This is perfect. It's really cool. I can fold in those Sesame Street cards I've been holding onto for so long. And the, <laughs> the gay dog card. It's, yeah, they suggest customizing Absolutely. your deck. Absolutely. Both decks uh, surpass my expectations. Well, I must have this. You must. You must. And I don't even remember what I put in for the Kickstarter, but it was not. <laughs> it was not a lot. I got way more than probably I put in. So that's rare I mean, it is rare uh-huh in both of these they're just like incredibly beautiful and high quality neat. so now i've made <laughs> jacob envious i'm very very envious <laughs> of this thing i love the idea of like a hodgepodge tarot and this is this is kind of amazing mm -hmm. it's got extra devils and there's uh-huh uh -huh, extra uh -huh. a molt health six card yep um mm -hmm. some alchemical stuff going on mm -hmm. uh, a couple of different towers one of which is more dante inspired the strange suit. Mm -hmm. 
which I don't know what's going on there. It's got a Greyhound in it and some keys. But I think they're, I got an extension pack too with it. So I think ah! maybe they'll put out extension packs. I, I think. Or blimey. <laughs> I need this in my life. It's an, I know that, that you were thinking about or you're working towards doing something similar. Yeah, I just don't know how to get... If you see any way to get this, let me know, like ASAP. Okay, I will. I will. I promise. Okay. Uh, well, over the last month, we've been getting questions and begging questions and sometimes making up questions from our friends, our listener, and... <laughs> <laughs> our friend, our listener. <laughs> sometimes I actually went to other podcasts and asked their listeners. Oh, yeah. What podcasts? The Southern Demonology. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Since it was episode 42, we wanted to celebrate it with some questions and answers about hell. And these were some of the things we collected from these diverse resources and peoples and people resources. Mm -hmm. We're going to answer them with some variety of intent mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. disorder. Okay. We're going to answer mm -hmm. these with intent. So I guess we could start with question number one. Do you want me to read the question and then you can answer it? Sure, that would that would work. I thought you just knew which one question number one was. <laughs> Let me consult my deck that you don't have, but I have with extra cards. <laughs> okay, so this one came from Haven Con when Jacob and I were doing the panel, the um, Demonology for Writers. Can I summon Leviathan in my living room? Okay. Yeah, so this was a question from one of the people at the at the panel. Shortly after I said, let's not talk about real-life summoning, we went down this road. So that was kind of fun. For clarification. Yes. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> What's this in my mouth? Something just went in my mouth. <laughs> ah! See, that's what happens when you come back from the dead. All kinds of, like, Bugs. What if it was already in up. there? Ah! So for clarification, can I summon Leviathan in my living room? Yes. Is this question actually, may I summon Leviathan in my living room? Well, I can't answer that. I mean... Like, is, this, is he asking for permission? You know, I don't know. Um, no, it was, it was more a question of, 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 is it possible to, or advisable to, or what would the results be if I did this thing? You have a very big living room. Well, now that was my, my response is it would probably mess up your living room. But I don't think that was actually the question that was answered being asked. I think mm -hmm. it was more mm -hmm. about like, if I summon Leviathan, would I get like an avatar of Leviathan? Would my goldfish's head start spinning around and it floats out of its bowl? Something like that. I don't know. Um, but it was a kind of interesting question. I did some research online to get some answers. Okay. And Amazon has a book that's Leviathan summoning spells, but I didn't want to pay $10 for it because it sounded kind of fluffy. One issue that I face uh -huh. when I'm doing research <laughs> yes. is that anytime I type something like Leviathan into the Google, yes. the first 10 pages are about games. Yes. Well, the first thing I found on how to summon Leviathan is that you can install the Calamity mod for Terraria. Once mm -hmm. you do that, you kill a specific unnamed creature that appears in the ocean in hard mode. Okay. And then Anihata appears and you kill her or halfway mm -hmm. kill her. And then Leviathan appears, but you have to fight both of them at the same time after that. But that's real life. That's not a game. Yes. I mean, either way, you can't summon <laughs> Leviathan in your living room. Oh, so you have to requires... go to the ocean 
Right. In the mod. And a mermaid. Yeah, there's a mermaid involved. Okay. But the Leviathan summoning spells is real world, I guess, in that kind of fictional sense of Amazon publishing new age material real world. I don't give mm-hmm. it a lot of credence because they say that... Um, Santa Claus isn't real. They say that holotropic breathwork is a medieval technique, and I just can't buy into that. So what does do you need? What does holotropic breathwork mean? I googled it, and it sounds like it's breathing really, really fast until you get into a slightly trancy state. So oh, but it, that's a legit thing. Oh, I think that that is practiced today in various uh, religious practices. But was it practiced in medieval? I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. And yeah. I think I don't know. Like I want to say, like, um, oh, who's the guy? Who hovers like hold the street magician? David Blaine. I feel like David Blaine or like Chris Angel or somebody like that does this, or they do the opposite of it. But it's a it's like a practice. It's oh. a thing. I did not know that that's what it was called. Yeah, it's sometimes what it's called. It's what it's called on Amazon. <laughs> Holotropic uh-huh. from Greek holos hole. Yes, and. Trepean to move towards, like like a trapeze. So holotropic okay. just means moving towards wholeness. In a series of little pants. Which should tell you even now, it's like, what a bogus name for a bogus thing. So is it, essentially you're making yourself hyperventilate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Until you fall over. Nerds. Right. And see Leviathan. But you're falling over with intent. <laughs> Everything has to be done with intent. Yes. So why would somebody, of all the demons, why would somebody summon Leviathan? But I'm going to Google, why would I summon Leviathan? (laughs) Maybe it's just because, like, if you ask your average Joe on the street, quick, name a demon. Uh, 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 Leviathan. But, you know. He, she's very old. Like uh-huh. ancient beyond reckoning, uh, primal chaos sort of thing. So if you want to really get in touch with like the deep energies of creation. And there's the, some mm-hmm. interesting gender stuff there because she's kind of a female goddess and a male goddess at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is a very ancient spirit. So if you really wanted to kind of reach out and touch Tiamat, this is this mm-hmm. is a way to go. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, like they have BDE. I don't know. Is that a <laughs> transmissible disease? <laughs> well, here let's just call it big demon energy. But there's a there's a a more kind of the kids the kids they refer to it as something. It's it means oh, something kids. else. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. The kids. D-D-E, big demon energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it means like you have such a big demon that you don't have to pretend that you have a big demon. Well, this is you a big see? demon. Yeah. So you know, you just give off the energy of somebody with a big, big demon. So big, big demon vibes. Okay, mm-hmm, I'll mm-hmm. buy that. Well, I heard something interesting. So I listened to amongst the murder and paranormal podcasts. I listened to is one called uh, "Ghosted" by Roz Dresvales. Okay. And Roz is uh, Roz has the best drag name ever. Um, Agreed. But <laughs> for sure, and uh, they were interviewing. Um, this person who they have a lot of people on who are both paranormal professionals uh, and people who are kind of dabblers in various paranormal and occult uh, things. But this one guy, um, he used to like as a teenager started summoning demons and continued to do that at and into 
young adulthood, but he, uh, one of his bits of advice, and he would do, do it for very banal reasons, like, oh, I lost my textbook. I'm going to summon, not Leviathan, but, you know, Leonard, let's say, to find my textbook. Right. I, I would go with Roin. Okay. So, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, chat this guy and make a suggestion but yeah. um but the interesting uh bit of information he shared was that if you're asking a otherworldly creature to do things for you mm-hmm. demons are way better than angels huh yeah okay do you have a reason why jamin oh no i was just thinking everyone summons demons but no one ever mm-hmm. summons an angel and you know why they're hotter. They're hotter. They're not as, <laughs> weirdly, they're not as terrifying as angels. But the what he said is that demons understand humans. Like, demons understand what humans want. Mm-hmm. They understand what motivates humans. They understand how humans work. And so, they, like, you kind of know a little bit more about what you're going to get with a demon than you do an angel, because angels have no concept of humans, and they're just going to do what they want to do. They're just going to be like, I'm an angel. I'm going to do this thing. Screw you, human. Sounds like the foundation for a decent relationship, really. (laughs) So, like, an angel wouldn't go find your textbook. Instead, they would... Just go play a trumpet off in the corner somewhere. (laughs) Create a rift in the time space, you know, like continuum and um maybe your textbook would show up but essentially the world would be destroyed and the demon will just like kind of toddle down the hall to your friend's locker bust it open be like there it is so these are very concrete experiences of demons we're having here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah this is i this is what i heard on a, a paranormal podcast hosted by a drag queen so there okay with intent. With intent. It's a fantastic podcast, by the way. I love it. What's it called again? Ghosted with an exclamation point by Roz Dressvilles. Awesome. Call mm-hmm. out to. So question number two was a question that was asked during our Psychopomps class by Joanna Ebenstein, who is the proprietor of Morbid Anatomy. Joanna Ebenstein began Morbid Anatomy. Uh, she started as a blog in 2007. And she's an artist as well. She gave the class on psychopomps we attended for the last month or so. At some point toward the end, we were talking about demons. Well, I was talking about demons incessantly. She asked whether the grimoirists, the people that kind of wrote these books on the 16th century-ish books on summoning demons and sacrificing small birds for personal gain, uh, how they could view themselves as Christian when they were summoning demons. I mean, this kind of ties to the question we just answered. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's connected. I I kind of wonder, again, here, if there's some kind of swagger involved. Before we answer this very easy question, (laughs) let me ask one more question for those of us who may not have be uh, uh what's a gr- gr- what's a grimoireist? Who what where why when? Jacob. A grimoireist would be one who writes a grimoire. A grimoire is I think like standard definition would be a book, a magical textbook, a book of magical workings and spells and stuff like that. But generally we've been using it as like a 
book of dark magic and black magic and demon names and things like that. Although this podcast is rather neurotically focused on hell. So that makes sense. So given what we were talking about earlier about demons doing kind of um, odd jobs yeah, for, they sweep. <laughs> for humans, I mean, I you know, that the does seem like it's a way of mm, yeah, like con- using a demon for its power to do those things is not evil. You're channeling it for the work for the good of God, right? Especially if you're having demons build your temple. Yeah, that's kind like of it Solomon is. I mean, angels are very busy entities, presumably. Mm-hmm. But if you can force a demon to do your work, which is obviously forcing it to serve, um, you know, God's plan, be that plan erecting Solomon's temple or getting the pretty blonde to fall for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing you're doing good by detaining demons and making them do your work for you. At least you can tell yourself that. Right. And a lot of early grimoires, a lot of grimoires, period, tend to have a mishmash of angel names and demon names and the four-letter name of God and abracadabra and such um, until you get, like, a little later and more sensational. I, I think they kind of they go both ways. Like, they, they use a lot of white magic in there mixed with dark magic. It really depends on what you're looking at, though. So is it kind of like – I was actually looking into – <laughs> and I couldn't find this just with a Google search, but I would be interested, like, what kind of person, is there a psychological profile of a, somebody who becomes a priest who does this kind of thing, B, is there a psychological type of person that becomes an exorcist? Because it feels like you have to also be kind of somehow aligned with that darkness to be able to think that you can control it or you have to be like a little bit of a psychopath maybe (laughs) to think you can do it well there's no practical difference between exorcism and like demon rituals because exorcism Mm -hmm. is just you know you cast the entire spell and then tell the demon to go away right the necromancy is you cast the entire spell and ask them to make the bond lady fall in love with you yeah, so and it, I was looking. Oh, it's go ahead. Same spell. <laughs> it's true, and I was like, I was looking into the exorcist thing, and sort of, okay, what does it require? What what is required to be an exorcist? And essentially, it was the same kind of like you know, being you know, completely unblemished morally, oh, of being experienced, older, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, I don't buy that. Must look good in leather. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like such a flex, you know, like, again, like, okay, I'm going to use my joke again, but we've got like big priest energy going on here, but the reverse of it, like yeah. you want to, you know, you don't have th- those things. So you're going to, you're going to flex like you do. One thing I learned about in a podcasting workshop I took recently is that we're, we're all going to be expert pod- podcasters compared to most people who have not podcasted. So I assume mm-hmm. the same is true about demonologists. As long as you can convince somebody that you're an expert demonologist, then they'll believe you. Which we are. Yeah. We are. There's a lot of questions <laughs> about like whether whether magic is a thing here, and I don't feel equipped to answer that. So do you think it's essentially mm, like a, a little bit of a con, right? Potentially. Well, but I, it's a con that maybe makes people feel better? Like I don't know. I think that the people, I mean, exorcism and demonology is kind of a business right now. Yeah, And that's I think true. people want, well, my next door neighbor like asked me to bring her some sage to burn because she was concerned about a ghost in her house. I think people believe these things enough. Like they don't entirely believe them, but they're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't necessarily think that somebody that believes they can kick out a ghost is 
necessarily lying to themselves. Maybe, it's true. I mean, a lot of telephone psychics are, and maybe if you aren't. Eh. And I, yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a spectrum potentially. Like there are, because I believe in ghosts, and I believe that you can do things to let ghosts go where they're supposed to go. But I'm not sure about. I don't really know enough about. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that I mean, I always see it as kind of a. It's more of a therapeutic act than maybe an occult act. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of magic is, I think, just convincing your mind to let your body heal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Therapeutic for who? You or the ghost? Well, maybe both. Maybe it's a. You know, if you do it, if you do it well, everybody to win win. You know. So your neighbor believes she has ghosts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does she? I, I or the, the the ghost hunting phone <laughs> app says they have ghosts. There's I a, I do not uh, question uh, the ghost hunting phone uh, phone app. Why did I not know about this? I maybe you make too much sense. I okay, but you know that I I enjoy this stuff. I've gone well, on. Then go. It, it's got it's, investigation. It's got like a random word association generator that kind of spits out things from the void, and sometimes you can make them make senses or sentences. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Ghost hunting okay. app. It's there. It's there. It's also, um, we- also regarding the grimoires. It's worth knowing that, like, at the time, this was science. Like, magic and science uh, was right. the same thing. Okay. Eventually, it kind of fell out of favor, this kind of science. But natural philosophy was a discipline that was legit. So, this is not people pursuing dark and forbidden arts like we see in the in the 20, 21st century, mm-hmm. they were pursuing a science that didn't work very well, but it might still be a valid path. So this is not like outrageous stuff. This is just okay, kind that's, of that's true. Yeah, at the time it was useful, or yes. it was it was acceptable. Right, it was it was a strong possibility. I mean, we still don't know how gravity works, right? Right. I mean, so- you, <laughs> you you rub sheep's wool on amber, and then there's gravity. Yeah, um, like, I was. That, that makes sense. We're, we're trying to figure out how demons work. I don't know if it would surprise anybody, but I recently got a book on demon sex. Oh! <laughs> okay. And What's it, it called? It, demon Lovers. It's it's pretty good so far. Demon Lovers. A lot of it leans heavily on like the witch trials and the mm-hmm. morbid fixation people have with, with the demons and whether they boink the witches or not. Like This comes up in all the trials. And I had looked at it as kind of a weird prurient thing but the author suggests and leaning on other researchers that really nobody was sure about this entire demon thing and they were asking the questions to kind of verify for themselves that this was a possibility oh okay which is like almost the opposite of the way i've been viewing it so yeah it's to build certainty in an uncertain time which is religious uncertainty is when demons breed that's true and also, I mean, with the grimoires, it seems, you know, there's this human inclination that if you can catalog something, then you have control over it. Yeah, the law of magical names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So during the trials, it's, it's Madam, on the record, didst thou boink? Yes. Asking for a friend. <laughs> yes. And the answer is usually, yes, we boinketh, but... Mm-hmm. It seemed really hot at first, but then it got very not hot, and now I don't want to do that ever again. Mm. So the whole like living deliciously is 
No, not, not so yeah. much. Not well. I mean, again, thumbscrews were involved in this testimony, so who knows? Yeah, maybe uh-huh. Leonard's just not that good. <laughs> I'm Leonard. sure this will come up in some later episode because I want to have an episode now about demon parts. But like, some of them had like three prongs; they could invade various orifices at the same time. Wow. Yeah. I'm done here. There's a lot to unpack there. Yes. I'm going to just sigh and ask the third question. Sure. What is the third question? <laughs> from, Probably a good idea. From Lutteru, uh, part of the Southern Demonology community. Mm-hmm. If Satan had a favorite drink, what would mm. it be called and what would the ingredients be? If only we had an expert on satanic <laughs> mixology here among us. Well, I think uh, there's going to be a little bit of a battle here because I gave you guys the good drink, like what a human would want Satan, the devil to drink. Satan's whiskers to taste like. Uh-huh. Right. But I think, especially because this was asked by Southern Demonology, right. that it has to be a classic Southern soda with an F ton of caffeine. Mm-hmm. And so I vote for Big Red. Is Big Red caffeinated? Oh yeah, I is it? Know. It's not as caffeinated as as Mountain Dew, but it is it is it is caffeine because it's it's caffeinated uh, red cream soda. Okay, I interesting. Um, I, I thought mm-hmm. personally that the new Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew would be the way to go, Ugh. which I've mm-hmm. I've had and it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Wait, it's like you, it's like orange juice spiked with ginger ale. Mm. And the only bad thing I'd say about it is that when you try and breathe near it, you start choking. <laughs> so the flaming part. Overrated. I thought you were making this up. No. Or no. possibly it's like you just get a regular Mountain Dew and you microwave it for a minute. No, it's a lurid orange. Uh-huh. And it's just got a little bit of essence of chili pepper that kind of floats on the bubbles. It's like barks, really. See, I've never, okay, so this is, this is like, okay, as, uh, (laughs) when I was in high school, I essentially lived on big red cans of tuna and junior mints. So that was my diet for the entirety of high school. You survived it well. (laughs) I survived it. So I have this love affair with big red whilst also recognizing how truly horrible it is for you and also that it has a very, Unpleasant taste to a lot of people. However, Mountain Dew to me tastes like carbonated Theraflu. (laughs) (laughs) And again, whilst I appreciate the Theraflu, like I love Theraflu, but I don't want to drink that as a soda. But that also leads me to believe I may have to step down from my own argument because Mountain Dew especially the Flaming Hot, might be a more repulsive drink than Big Red. I kind of want to taste this, but I don't want to have to pay for it myself. Maybe you can get like a can at the Five and Dime down the street. We could have a taste off, like, because there's a, a, there's a variety of flavors of, because I, when I was in high school, there was only one Big Red. And now there's like a variety of flavors of it. Same with Mountain Dew. And we could have a, a tasting a taste. party? Yeah. Oh, oh. I know. I know. I know. Somehow it seems less awful kinda to taste. I don't want to, but I kind of yeah. want to. I'd be regressing to like age 15 if I drank Big Red. Well, you know, Mountain Dew has like 55 milligrams of caffeine. And then 
Big Red has like 38. Did you ever have Surge? Yes. I liked Surge. (laughs) I drank a lot of Surge. (laughs) That was like early 90s, right? Or mid 90s? It was a weird moment for sure. Yeah, because I remember Surge. And I know I, I was, I believe I was beyond high school at that point. I know I was beyond high school at that point. I won't say how far. Damon, what do you think? What would the devil drink? It's easy. Whatever would most disappoint your mother. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, so like... Bad bad port. <laughs> that would disappoint your mom? Yeah. Actually, let's see. What would disappoint my mom? Anything that made her feel like the person drinking it thought they were better than her. Um, so... Soy milk? Oh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> what's what's the fizzy Austin water? Topo Chico. Topo oh, Chico. Topo Chico. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally would stick my pinky out and drink my Topo and look down my nose at you. Mm-hmm. If you were the mm-hmm. devil, though? Yeah, the devil's kind of a hipster. Okay. Mm-hmm. What would disappoint your mom, Jamin? I mean, you're looking <laughs> at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the devil, can the devil drink you? I guess he could, like one of those little wax bottles. Oh, yeah, <laughs> a little wax bottle job and just chug you. <laughs> um, nom. Gross. Be- okay, we have new merch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you were dead, so, you know. Allegedly, I got better. So the next question, and I'm almost nervous to ask this one. Uh, it's from mm-hmm. Mark Scarborough of Walking with Dante. Mm-hmm. How do you actually Mark. feel? How do you actually <laughs> feel pain without a body? Given everything we know about neurology and nerves, how can a free-floating, bodiless spirit feel what we call pain? We don't even feel really feel pain in a cut. We feel it in our brains, which fakes us to believe that we feel the cut. So this is about like how do souls suffer in the afterlife? Yeah. The I I initially read this and I'm like, okay, this one is obvious. Um, why do amputees feel phantom pain? Right. Right. Or why does my stomach hurt when my stomach doesn't have nerves or something like that? Right. Yeah. But then I was like, wait, just cause the leg's not there, your brain's still there. So if yeah. you don't have a brain to not feel your leg, which also isn't there. And then I got confused. Yeah. There's levels. I'm going to talk about dualism for a moment, unless someone stops me. <laughs> How many isms are it's there? Okay. Uh-huh. It's okay. It's okay. I think I think that first off, you have to get over the idea of like mind-body dualism as a thing, because we've all talked about, and this question assumes that the soul is magically pulled out of the body upon death, and I think that's it's probably not that. I think that when you talk about the Catholic understanding of death, particularly like in the the pre this century thing. You're not talking about separation of mind and body because the body is resurrected is not quite the right word. The the soul is incarnated in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. You you are rejoined with your body when you go into God's presence and also when you are condemned to hell for whatever sin you committed. So there is no question of the body not being there. The body is there suffering in its real nerves and things like that forever. Um, and this is backed up by, I think, some Buddhist myths and stories. The soul resurrects the body every day so you can start over your torments after your body's been turned into ash or whatever. And I think other religions would back this up. Your body is a part of your spiritual experience in the afterlife. 
Didn't we yeah. talk about this briefly on Worms, on the Worms episode? Where, yeah, almost mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah, yeah, where it's like the the body is being eaten. So I guess it. I guess the answer is we're not going to just be souls floating around tormenting. We're going to be ourselves. Yes, tormenting. Yeah. Being so, tormented. not only are you dead, you will still have leg acne. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's there's this other idea that like ultimately the 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 torments of the body pale in comparison to the distance from God that sinners experience. But I I don't believe that. I mean, just keep telling yourself that when worms made a red hot iron burr out of your body after a flaming asp laid its smoldering eggs in your butt, (laughs) or you drank some flaming hot uh, Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I I feel like that's a nice a nice dodge when the reality is no. I would rather be far away from God than on fire forever. <laughs> yeah, I um. I'm in Texas already. It's true. <laughs> I mean, we're always on fire all the a time. A little bit. Yeah. I don't. I was thinking about. I don't know. I kind. I I don't know why I went to this place, but thinking about torments and also. Like kind of, you know, if 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 you are, if you're responsible for your own pain and your own sin, there's also this aspect of like wanting that pain, right? Like you want to feel that pain. Yeah, like you're punishing yourself. This is Mm -hmm. if Sandman is literary is like spiritual canon, and this turns up in Sandman a lot. Right. People believe mm-hmm. they need to be redeemed by punishment from their distance from God or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like the the pain, like the hair shirts, the yeah. you know self flagellation, all of that uh, is part of that. But then it also becomes potentially pleasurable, as we found out, or as we talked about with the lecture. Yeah. What was the word for like a light spear going through your body and it's like agony and orgasm at the same time? Oh, I wrote that down. <laughs> Transverberation. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. What? That- yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some, in some of the mystics' writings, um, they talked about God lancing them through their bodies and it was agony and ecstasy at the same time. Transverberation is a mystical grace wherein the saint's heart was pierced with the dart of love by an angel. That is a messed up spiritual grace. I'll just say it right there. <laughs> Why would you and do that? <laughs> this lecture was given by Eric Wang of the Saint Podcast. Yes. It was So don't believe any of it. It's all <laughs> lies. So the name of the lecture was The Agony and the Ecstasy, Sacred and Carnal Devotion to Saints. And it's Eric Wang of Saint Podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like there's two different styles of torments in hell. There's the kind that writers about hell inflict on the people that they put in hell, like mm-hmm. the fiery suffering. And there's the kind that you inflict on yourself because that's how your mind works, even in the afterlife, and you have to process your life to get right with God. And so these like internal torments are column B, and the external torments are column A, and they don't necessarily match, except like after the fact, you know, a thousand years after the fact, when we're like looking at all these stories, we're kind of trying to show them together and. Maybe they're maybe they're not the same story. Actually, the what you just said reminds me of Subservient Chicken. Uh huh. Do you, Jamin? Do you remember Subservient Chicken? I will be so honest. Every time the two of you have this conversation, <laughs> I tune out because oh. it terrifies me, and I don't want to know. It was very oh. very strange. 
But it's kind of like, still very strange. (laughs) It is very strange. But to me, it's sort of like, oh, okay, so is the chicken in hell? And are these, there are these external forces that are forcing it to do these things? Or is the chicken doing them? And is, is the chicken, does, is the chicken finding pleasure? I have no idea how I missed out on this like <laughs> aspect of society. Like this was all a new to me. Yeah, so mm-hmm. like I had chicken, never heard of this. Subservient Chicken is a 2004 advertising campaign from Burger King. It involved a man in a very convincing, realistic chicken costume in a small David Lynchian living room who mm-hmm. would slavishly obey comments from the internet people. So you would give him instructions like "dance, chicken," or "lay an egg," or Die. Die. Uh, pee on the couch. Pee like a dog. <laughs> pee in the corner. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of pee-based ones. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, he would do these things for you. And it was kind of kind of frightening and creepy and a very strange but instantly viral campaign. Uh, yes. But it has a redemption arc. So I don't think that he could be dead. I believe the rabbits and David Lynch's rabbits were dead. I, I <gasps> yeah. do not believe that the subservient chicken is dead because he goes on to fight in the chicken sandwich battle mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in the documentary in the documentary the subservient chicken redemption the other side of the road he comes back from like poverty you can see him like in one scene saying we'll do anything for free on a cardboard sign uh, he comes out and he becomes a stronger chicken and like he'll turn away orders and commands and he like goes to his dressing room because he doesn't want to come out so he's not mm. dead. He redeems and becomes a stronger poultry. You know, I um I spent probably way too much time thinking about subservient chicken because I I don't know. I don't quite I feel like there's there's a deeper again, like with the seeking pain slash pleasure and punishment, I feel like there's a deeper kind of darkness in humans that makes this appealing beyond what the ad people say about, oh, you know, everybody just wants to kind of find the that one cool thing. They want to sort of happen upon something that they don't think anybody else has seen. But I think this, this, the chicken moment has, it, it is uh, the culmination of a lot of other forces or yeah. cultural forces. There are some dark drives. I mean, first off, mm-hmm. poor man is wearing a chicken costume and you're ordering yeah. him around. Yeah. The level of debasement is quite high. It is because people want to to have it do really debasing things, and when he's asked to do certain things, he'll kind of come up really close to the camera and sh- like slowly shake his finger. Yeah, because he he won't take is, it off. No, but he will pee like a dog. He will, but like so, there's certain things that he's he's totally willing to do. But I just don't understand how this. I can understand how the world like immediately became debased, but. Like, how did this even get started? Yeah, who, who greenlit this? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I have a theory. Well, I have a theory about its inspirations. Because it was an ad It was a, an ad company that has done several other viral um, ad campaigns. But I feel like there are a few key things. Yeah. So... I, I, you're dealing with the rise of internet culture at this point in time, which I think is important. Yes. So, we've got that. We've got found footage. Yeah. Trend. That was a big that, thing. That was a yeah, thing. Yeah, so it was popularized by the Blair Witch Project, but we have the Mondo movies that started in the 60s that that were, you know, 
supposedly documentaries about different cultures, about death, things like that. And <laughs> you can even go way, way back to the 18th century or even before that um, with epistolary novels that are allegedly found, created from found letters like Frankenstein mm -hmm. is that kind of novel. So there's this whole literary and cinematic history of the found footage that this taps into and yeah, capitalizes on the popularity of the Blair Witch Project. Plus Rabbits, which was 2002. Oh, yeah. Plus, plus the 1995 Calvin Klein jeans ads that were banned because they showed underage models in a murder basement. Murder basements. <laughs> Being filmed by this very creepy guy who was asking them like, hey, take take off your shirt. Do you, do you work out? Yeah. So there's okay. this level of fictional discomfort that you have to rationalize to work through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like all of those, yeah. Do you yeah, do you want to permanently associate this dark voyeurism with chicken sandwiches? This is an open question. <laughs> well <laughs> I was like, and it's I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because it's also kind of the the opposite of Chick-fil-A, but there's way more hate associated. Like Chick-fil-A is a very hateful company. Like they're terrible. Yeah. But they have this kind of family values chicken sandwich, and now we have like murder basement chicken sandwich. Did you see the chicken back riding commercial in your research? It was later. Oh, it, it was, yes. It was after the main <laughs> chicken murder room story, but it was like the uh -huh. chickens were on motorcycles, and then people were riding the chickens like at a rodeo. I found those mm -hmm. even creepier. Yeah. In some ways. Mm -hmm. It's all very David Lynchy, though. It is very David Lynchy, and I'm I know that they did that on purpose. Uh, I was watching a documentary on this on YouTube. Um, links in the show notes, and he was questioning why there was "March Like a German Soldier" and "Nazi Salute" coded into the web page. That I wondered about that too. Like that is really troubling. Coded yeah. like coded into the web page, so you had mm -hmm. to look at the source. It wasn't just in the Wikipedia has a list of known commands. Mm-hmm. So they pre-programmed them. It was a flash mm -hmm. interaction thing. Mm. And they used very grainy footage with a lot of jerky cuts to make it look a little more, quote, seamless, unquote. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's the thing. Like, they figured out or they assumed, like, the top 300 things that people would ask the chicken to do. And amongst those were <laughs> German marching and, <laughs> like... Think of the focus group. Okay, so <laughs> right. uh -huh. you're having a man in a chicken costume. What do you want him to do? Pee like a dog. Right. Write that down. That's number 14. Okay. Uh, <laughs> electric slide. Okay, that's good. That's good. We can do that. Take off your clothes. No, that's not wholesome. Nazi salute is wholesome. I don't know. <laughs> Mysterious world. For those of you who are putting focus groups together, and you need experts feel free and invite us to your next focus group. We can add so much. <laughs> I feel like we could do a defocus group pretty well. <laughs> An unfocused yeah. group. Yeah, unfocused group, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So from J. Simon Harris, who is celebrating the publication of his translation of Dante's Inferno, which you can find oh, on wow. Amazon. Yes, look for J. Simon Harris, Dante Inferno. Congratulations. Yes. He asks... The gravitational field is roughly zero near the center of the Earth, so are all demons down there floating around as if they're in a space station, or what? Asking for a friend. Initially, I... Uh, it's friends and when we I don't. Read this, 
<laughs> this seemed too word problemy to me, so I kind of ignored it at first. Well, remember, this is a Dante scholar, so he journeys to the center of the earth uh, as a professional thing. It's true, and it's not a slam on him. It's a slam on me and my my maths. <laughs> so I would like somebody else to start answering this one. <laughs> Someone else, and I don't know which of you wrote these notes, but there's a note here, an aside, and it says, you know, we're talking about gravitational fields, but the note is, I want the explanation to be related to those little magnetic Scotty dogs. Yes. And then also a reference to Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> like, what magnetic Scotty dogs? And how does ICP have anything to do with, like, what note is this? Well, what is this, the famous, the famous Insane Clown Posse lyric they have lyrics you can understand what they're saying effing magnets how do they work oh okay right (laughs) what (laughs) yes i like that you used the like you clearly know insane clown posse Uh, so it's a song called miracles it's all about miracles that they've they've encountered there's way too many words in this. Jesus. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. Uh, so, J. Simon Harris, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Uh, answer to your question. Seriously. I was going to say something about the, the incredible heat and pressure at the center of the Earth. But I guess they're demons and I guess they're used to it. So, do they know which way is up? I, that wasn't an answer. There are some basic coordinate directions in the underworld. First off, you have the pull of the center of the Earth, which is fairly strong. It's where Lucifer ended up, because that's where his moral weight dragged him. We had that conversation in Inferno November. Basically, there's sort of this idea that whatever level of sin you are, that's where you drift in terms of gravity in relation to the center. So as Lucifer is the ultimate sinner, he ends up in the center of the Earth. This is me making stuff up. Another powerful force is the Prima Mobile, which is the god energy at the very furthest level of perceivable reality. And I think that saints are probably drawn to that, which is why they frequently levitate. So it makes sense to me that if demons are drawn downward by the weight of their moral fallibility, as they're all fallen creatures, they probably are walking around on Satan all the time. Yeah. And that makes perfect logical sense. Yeah. Yeah, totes. Yeah, totes. Okay, yeah. Yes, and I finally found the lyric I was looking for. Oh. In the Insane Clown Posse song, Miracles. Miracles. I'm going to have to listen to this, aren't I? Music is a lot like love. It's all a feeling, and it fills the room from the floor to the ceiling. I see miracles all around me. Stop and look around. It's astounding. Water, fire, air, and dirt. Fucking magnets. How do they work? So... Mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah. A- question answer. Question answer. <laughs> but I I didn't answer your Scotty dog situation. Yeah, well, you don't know what those Scotty little... dog. So they're they're a little toy, and you can get different sh- shapes of them. But usually it's a black Scotty dog and a white Scotty dog, and they have little magnets. Oh yeah, yeah, and they're nose to nose. Mm-hmm. But you can like you know turn them like they will repel each other and they'll come together, and so I kind of yeah, imagine yeah. God, God and mm-hmm. Lucifer as giant cosmic Scotty dogs, their noses mm-hmm. dragging them together in perpetual synthesis conflict. 
Yep, 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 yep. Beautiful. Yep. Mm-hmm. Amazon uh, review. The best trick, move one across a piece of paper with one hidden underneath. Yeah. Just like God and the devil. Except yep. instead of a piece of paper, it's reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. And the devil is always underneath. But Scotty dogs. They work. work <laughs> but it's also like little spy versus spy dogs. John from Facebook asks, and <laughs> if in the book of Job, Satan and God hang around and make lethal bar bets on the lives of humans, does that imply that God and Satan have a working relationship? If so, is the king of hell actually evil or is he doing a tough job? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. It's hard to answer this one in a silly manner. but Except, I mean, it looks like several of us in our heads went to the exact same place. Florida. Which is... <laughs> The 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 cairn where Jamin was lying in state waiting to yeah. come forth and save Florida. For four to six weeks. Uh-huh. His four to six are weeks. Tough in Florida where uh-huh. it swamp. <laughs> he was kind of a bog person, Jamin. Mm-hmm. But instantly the Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. With Ralph Ralph Wolf uh-huh. and Sam's sheepdog. Hey Ralph. Hey Sam. Morning, Ralph. Yeah. And and then <laughs> they clock in. And then Anvils. Yeah, the, the clocking mm-hmm. in was the best part. Like, in yeah. the, the little steam whistle. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's scripturally accurate. Or theologically so. accurate. Mm-hmm. If you go back far enough, at some point in time, the Jewish faith was kind of codified somewhere between like 700 and 500 BCE. And before then, it was Yahwehism, which is a little bit different. And then before then, it was probably some Semitic Assyrian faith that's kind of Mesopotamian hodgepodge. And they just kind of refined their stories and the stories they told about themselves over the next thousand-odd years. But the further back you go, the more Yahweh is just one character in a cast of characters. Maybe the at some time, point in time, he's the most important character. But Satan is there as well, or a Satan is there. And uh, he's a part of the Divine Council. He does God's work, and God's work is apparently killing off Job's family and giving him boils. Right. Right. Uh-huh. So it there's happens. a lot, yeah. So there's a lot of demi deities in this in this time period. God has a wife, and I don't think she gets enough enough press. So yeah, at some point in time, the cast of characters was a lot more complicated than just this kind of monotheism that we allegedly have now. Mm-hmm. And God did have a working relationship with Satan, and then they hated each other. Just depends on kind of the time when you take the photograph. Right. Say, and then. I think back to like some prior jobs where I had a working relationship with someone and also hated them. Like, yeah, I don't think it's mm. like one mm. and then the other. You know, it was like we had a working relationship, but then we started hating it. No, we're still coworkers, right? And in like four hundred ish, people were making theological arguments that the devil cannot be evil because he was created by God to do God's work, right? And he just well, like I'm gonna quote TV's Lucifer again, because it is canon. But, you know, like, Satan has some daddy issues. <laughs> so... I mean... I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can still do good work and hate hate each other. But I don't even know if it's hate so much as just complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, my boss does not want to do data analysis. That's why they hired me. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, yeah, like, one person seems to, like, you know, be kind of a suck-up. Yeah. And you may be the person who speaks truth to power, or maybe 
you know, or at least you think you do. And that person who sucks up just thinks that you're being a jerk. So yeah, it's hazy. You know, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so the next one is from your British pen pal friend. Do you want to take do this one? So this one is from a uh, listener number six, six point six, six. Oh, early, early listener. Ooh. Uh Question is, this is a two-parter. Okay. I'm planning a trip to the underworld because Mm -hmm. my Instagram is just full of cat pictures and it, I've really got to get more content. Uh, I have a backpack and I've already got a thermos of tea. What is the best way to get to hell on a budget? And second, I have space for about seven more items in my bag. What are the most Mm. useful things to bring to ensure one, my survival, and two, that she has a memorable trip. And I want to, I want to say survival, but not necessarily return. Like this may be a one-way trip, listener friend. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you didn't plan on coming back. You just want to have a good time. Okay. Yeah. So survival and memorable. I think in our show notes on this, we weren't really emphasizing the memorable part, but that's important. I have some ideas about the memorable part. So let's uh, let's see. Question one: is, What's the best way to get to hell on a budget? Mm-hmm. The John Bosco method is falling asleep while lecturing a bunch of high schoolers. <laughs> and then you, your dreams are about them going to hell and you watching and laughing. <laughs> the cheapest ritual I've found for entering the underworld is from occultist.net. It's fairly mm-hmm. simple, quote unquote. First, you need a coven of Satan worshippers, yep. um, but you could probably find ironic hipsters instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find a location that just screams portal. Stonehenge would be a good choice, but like any like abandoned sewer entry, would probably work pretty well as well. Mm-hmm, at at mm-hmm. three a.m., gotta be three a.m., mm-hmm. which is I think that's the hour people are supposedly most likely to die. That's when demons, shadow people, a lot of like negative spirits show up because it's a mockery of the Trinity. Oh, okay, interesting. It is mm-hmm. a, a horrible time of night. Mm. Mm-hmm. So at three, so that's why they always knock three times or do make three noises too. Right. So at 3 a.m., pour a canister of gas on the ground, where you want your portal to appear, and then you chant for mm-hmm. a while. You chant either mm-hmm. this, like, four-line thing about Lucifer and transporting you to hell, or I think you could do, like, most of the lyrics from Michael Zager's Let's All Chant, either <laughs> either one. You have mm-hmm. to do it about 90 times. So you're going to be chanting for, I worked it out, about 15 minutes. Ooh. So imagine, imagine saying the same limerick for 15 minutes straight that is with dope. a bunch of, with a dozen friends chanting along with it. And you're standing in gasoline fumes. So this is kind of like what you were talking about earlier with the breathing method. Yeah, I think you're oh. going to be in an altered state for a number of different reasons. Yeah. At some point in time, you do light everything on fire. Of course. And at some point later on, eventually you start to get into a hellish state of mind and possibly into physical hell. I don't know. It depends. But it's a very long, arduous chant session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But in Rome, there were a lot of gates that involved fizzy, li- fizzy liquids, like carbon dioxide lakes. So I think filling a bathtub three-quarters of the way up with flaming Hot Mountain Dew and just settle in and see where you end up. Mm. The dispatch does not recommend this or <laughs> anything else you've said over the last 42 That's episodes. Right. Or if and, you and do, we are not paid by Mountain Dew. make sure mm-hmm. you tweet us the results. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want. Don't. I don't want to see true crime Instagram photo of some poor listener lying in a bottle of iridium orange soda or a bathtub. <laughs> I do. No, <laughs> we want our six listeners. <laughs> Every one of them. Pub full of Mountain oh. Dew. Yeah, the, I think the fizzy carbonation bath is probably the 
the uh, cheapest way to pull this off. Yeah, yeah. Definitely mm. cheaper than mm-hmm. gasoline right now. Yeah. I bet Lush Cosmetics has some oh, bath bombs. Oh, yeah. Specifically for this purpose. <laughs> Dude, like Chipotle chocolate. <laughs> yeah. So what do you take? Mm. Uh, she does have a backpack and a thermos of tea. Okay. Can I assume mm-hmm. that she has a towel as well? I would say, like, obviously there's a towel. Like, should we even yeah. say a towel? She has a towel. Yeah. Okay. She has a towel. She has the typical adventurer's pack. Yes. Ten foot pole. D and D. Okay. Uh-huh. Lantern. Ten mm-hmm. foot pole. Bard. <laughs> the bard fits in the pack. <laughs> um. So what? Hello. What do you take for survivability and memorability? Mm-hmm. Non-flammable reading material. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think. If you can manage it, your own personal Jesus, someone to hear your prayers, Ooh. someone who cares, or mm-hmm. a plastic Jesus, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. traditionally, the biggest torment of hell is distance from God. So you can get around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sunscreen and worm repellent. Sunscreen is um, important. Yeah. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, you probably want some Benadryl because of all this stinging. Oh, yeah. Stinging mm. insects and all the biting, biting from. Your fellow sinners. Right. You probably want some lemongrass oil to, to, to protect yourself against the stinging insects. Yeah. Or a marinade, as it's called. Yes. Maybe some Vaseline, because you can use that for a lot of things. Doesn't it catch on fire? Um, it is a petroleum product. I've never tried to burn Vaseline. Does Vaseline burn? <gasps> but one thing you can do with Vaseline, and this I've learned from watching crime procedurals, procedurals is if you're in a smelly place... You could put Vaseline up your nose so the smell doesn't stick in your nose. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That'll work. Yeah. But also, since she mentioned Instagram, mm-hmm. to make this memorable, she needs to have a Visco Girl starter pack. I'm embarrassed that you know what a Visco Girl is. I am embarrassed that I know this too. <laughs> well, share it with Jamin. me. I am ignorant. Well, Jamin, do you want to explain no, what a Visco Girl is? No, I don't know Girl anything is? about it. Sure you do. <laughs> Jamin, what is a Visco girl? Don't and what- actually know. Like, I've seen them. I've clicked them. I don't actually know what is and what isn't. Victoria, can you bail him out? I think I can. So, Visco girl, like, the name comes from a specific kind of editing program that you can use to make TikTok and Instagram videos. I think mostly it's for the tick and the talk. But it's kind of like your basic sort of the girl you see all the time in these TikToks in this kind of social media influencer-y Sure, that look. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So with a Visco starter pack, you have to have a a very specific kind of backpack. Well, we've got that. Um, there's, uh, you have to have like Vans tennis shoes, okay. you have to, or Birkenstocks. You have to have kind of a, a very long t-shirt. Okay. They're often wearing very long t-shirts, water bottle, metal straw. Um, you have to have kind of artfully distressed jeans. You have to have uh, some kind of sugary Starbucks drink, mm. and you have to have a scrunchie, and you have to have some kind of vaguely ethnic-looking friendship bracelets. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and a camera. You have to have like a cute uh, kind of retro camera that you never actually use to take pictures. You use your phone. Yeah. Right. I see that's, mm-hmm. that's, I was going to say, this is important, but the memories are the photos, right? Right. So mm-hmm. a power bank for your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Valid point. Because if you run out of Good juice point. in hell, you can't take your, your pictures and put them on Instagram. Good point. 
it's a metaphorical item, but this is hell, so that's probably okay. I think Bitcoin would be a good thing to take with you in hell. I think so too, because I think pretty soon that's the only place where it's going to be valuable. Right. And mm-hmm. a lot of people that are pushing it might end up there as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. Oh, here's the Vaseline. Um, you know, since you're going to be taking all these selfies, you, you can use the Vaseline to kind of keep that dewy glow oh, okay. for your, for your Insta. Insta. Well, you will have a lot of like red highlights anyway, so. It's true. But they're filters. It'll color correct for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that taking a lily that blooms when someone denies the Virgin Mary would be a good choice. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun party trick. It is. I can see like the really cute Instas with that. (laughs) I know this is. I know like we're trying to have a good trip. And this kind of goes along with your non flammable reading material. Toilet paper. Mm. Like, nothing worse than getting caught abroad on a trip and not having the basics. Do you think you'd need it? I mean, here do, we go back to the body do thing. Do you have butts? In, yeah, you, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> this has do been you, established, actually. <laughs> we, it's, everybody, has, everybody has many, many more butts than they ever expected to have <laughs> in hell. Yeah. You're surprised by the, the how many butts you have. <laughs> That's the title of the memoir, Surprised by Butts. <laughs> My journey through the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh circle. Now that's memorable. So this is from a friend Kitty, who asks, was the being that tempted Eve a human snake? As opposed to a snake human. <laughs> as, yeah, or as opposed, to, yeah, I don't know, as opposed to human snake human human. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Kitty is a friend of mine from the UU Church, and I suspect that there's like a comparative religion humorism angle here. We talked about humorism a while back. This is the idea that myths are based in a non-fictional reality. Like yep. mm-hmm. your your average god was probably a king at some point in time. That sort of thing. This you use you Unitarian Universalists do like kind of finding the the nugget at the center of a religious story that's like a thing for them. So I think that might be where she's coming from. Okay, and so in what way? Well, I, I I could imagine like you're if you're recasting this in terms of physical people three thousand years ago. This is a story in the Verdant Crescent, the Levant, Mesopotamia, at the center of a lot of communities and you've got a story of coming out of an innocent place and embracing wisdom that destroys the innocence. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a story of growing up and growing out. Mm. Also there's kind of the Prometheus myth is kind of tied in there as well, that that story of knowledge that's critical but comes at a horrible cost. And these are like really good stories and kind of where might there be a central like nugget of a fact there? My first thought, if I was trying to point to a real life moment where someone held the apple out to this somewhat fictional tribe, I would look at the Epic of Gilgamesh and the story of Shemhat and Enkidu, where Shemhat, mm-hmm. through the magic of sex and civilization, brings Enkidu into a less out of his state of natural grace and into a state of civilized wisdom, which is very the Garden of Eden story, but it's more tied into the civilization myth. But it predates the Garden of Eden by a good 2,000 years. Is Shemhat a real person? I don't know. Gilgamesh, though, is assumed to be a real king. So having Shemhat as a potentially real person or just kind of an avatar of the concept of 
deified temple prostitute. I feel like as a benevolent serpent tempter, bringer of wisdom, and the idea of serpent and wisdom is kind of tied together as well, she might be a really good choice. I kind of stuck on the serpent part or the snake part and whether or not whether or not it was actually a snake. And so I found It was actually um, a little Nas X. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. Of course it was. But so I found like a couple of religious sites but talking about this, but one talks about the Hebrew word Nakash. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but it's N A C H A S H. That word means serpents, uh-huh. but this writer argued that this creature, when it was made by God, was good, as the verses in Genesis go, and it had four legs, so it could walk upright. It was also intelligent, and it had the ability to communicate with humans, so it must have had vocal cords, etc. So, after it tempted Eve, though, that's when it became a serpent, so that's when it became cursed to slither on the ground on its belly Aye. and lost intelligence, lost the power of speech. So the creature that tempted Eve doesn't actually exist by the time we have a written record. And instead we have the creature that the creature that we depict is post fall. So it might have been a snake with very human like characteristics. Yes. So this whole serpent, like that's what it became. Mm. Yeah, that that's true. This serpent mm-hmm. the serpent was cursed. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. Okay. That's also some lively imagery. Yes. It, it just mm-hmm. walked around saying, four legs good, two legs better. <laughs> I can talk. Look, Look at, at me. me. I can talk. I can dance. <laughs> ja, da, da, Jazz ja, limbs. Da, da. <laughs> Sin fingers. <laughs> Sin fingers. <laughs> the Mighty Punk Band. Sin fingers. <laughs> Sin fingers. Right, write that nice. one down for later use. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good one, too. Yeah. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's stick with Judeo Christian biblical Adam and Eve. Yeah. We, oh, man. Okay. I was going to say it's like Adam and Eve were the only two people because God made two people. There was mm. no other peoples, right? Except for Lilith, mm-hmm. who wasn't a people and she ran away. Lilith wasn't the serpent. Mm-hmm. And then we've talked about this. There was Adam's first wife who was made in the same way and he was awake and he watched her like blah, 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 blah out of like mystical goo or rib or whatever. And he was so horrified that he like, so the only other human that could possibly have been there would have been Adam's first wife. And I was like, well, would she have vindictively given Eve the apple? Oh, very mm. soap opera. That's true. Right. I don't know if she was, like, banished out of hand or whatever. Because, yeah, there were three wives. So, I was going to say there were only two humans, but there was that mystical Mm -hmm. third wife floating around. So, and so the answer is, I don't know. If the serpent was human, the only other human it could have been would have been Adam's first wife, who had a motive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She got NTR'd out of that, and no one wants that. Okay. So, yeah, it's like I was thinking this through. It's like, well, no, obviously it couldn't have been a human because there wasn't any other. There was. Was it, it was. the serpent? Sorry, Kitty, can't answer your question. I can only give you a motive. Right. But that's that's really <laughs> good because, like, I'm usually, like, Samael is, or one of the various Satans is the, is the person that yeah. brings. Yeah. Thing. And, you know, he was 
an angelic figure as well. So he might have had legs and wings and things like that. But the idea of Adam's second wife. Hmm. Adam's first wife. No, second. You're right. Second wife. Yeah, Lilith first, unnamed, animated, Frankenstein's bride sort of moment. <laughs> Number two. And then Eve the third. Oh, Lilith's actually described as being the first Eve in some stories. So, like, oh. yeah. So, well, I bet she loves that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's the second Lilith. <laughs> wow, well, that's interesting. It's like the Real Housewives of Real Housewives of Paradise. I, they, I have been uh-huh. con- constructing a very weird, like, polycule in my head of the Garden of Eden with Adam, Eve, Lilith, Samael, Alphat, Malat, Nara. And like mm-hmm. two others, but now I have a third. Yay! Also, there's, well, I don't know. I expect a diorama. <laughs> <laughs> Need a Venn diagram. <laughs> well, I hope we've answered some of your questions. Like any good teacher, I hope in answering the questions, it made you ask even more questions. Like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> and like any good teacher, look it up your own who, damn self. Uh-huh. I think I get gave paid him a for microphone. This? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for asking now. questioners. Questioners. Thank you, questions mm-hmm. for listening answers. Thank you, questioners, for answering listens. <laughs> Thank you, words, for more In words. <laughs> let someone else try that. Oh, no, I think that was good. If you'd like to get in touch with us with more questions... We have the Twitter, The Dispatchist. You could leave a comment on this post's web mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. Find us on Facebook at The Dispatchist, a conversation about hell. And Instagram, Dispatchist underscore podcast. Or email us at thedispatchist at gmail.com. Full stop. Uh, yes. <laughs> full stop. And <laughs> we will see you with more questions in hell. Yay. Yay. Thank y'all. Bye. Bye. This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources. None of the questions had the answers, four cc's of mouse blood and a black candle. I was really expecting that one.